Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We have a quick little bonus episode for you, just while there's a break in between Sunderland playing football. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, tonight, I have Richard Easterbrook and Graham Mackinson. Firstly, you okay, lads? Yeah, yeah, can you? Yeah, Sorry. good. Okay, well, the uh, not the main the main guests. I'm sure you won't mind me saying, and we are pressed for time, so I'm going to crack on. Um, I'm going to let you introduce yourself firstly, Steph, because we want to settle once and for all the age-old debate about how your surname is pronounced. It is Steph Horton. So everybody up here was right all along. Every time the commentators say Horton and stuff, we were we were right all along because we were worried we were just saying that because of Horton of Spring. <laughs> Of course, everybody knew in the northeast what my name was. I think with Holy Spring as well. He just like it's just so obvious and it's annoying at the same time. But yeah, I'm glad you know it as well. Well, that is good. It's good to know as well. And of course, you're not you're not too far from from that part of the world yourself, are you? No, in Manchester at the moment, but obviously get get hmm. back um, every now and again when we've got some time off. See the family. Okay. Um, right. Well, I just guess we, we, we start from the beginning, Steph. Really appreciate you uh, giving your time up. Um, obviously, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a, a chat about the, 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 the current state of, of women's football and sort of the boost it's been given recently. And particularly with Sky's interest this year, you feel like it is gonna, it's going to hopefully go to the, to the next level. But if you just start from the beginning and let us know how old you were when you started getting into football, who your heroes were, how... How your passion for it started? Um, first, probably started showing interest when I was around about four or five, I think it was, with my dad. So, literally, just uh, playing in the yard, playing in the street with my mates. Um, obviously, the village where I was from, South Etton, was um, very a lot of Sunderland supporters. So, my natural heroes growing up, um, there was only ever going to be one team I was going to be supporting, and that was always going to be Sunderland. So. Um, the players that I always looked up to were like Kevin Phillips. I absolutely loved him. Um, obviously, at the time when I was watching Sunderland and growing up, he was obviously our hero. And the likes of Thomas Sorensen, Niall Quinn, uh, Mickey Gray, uh, all them sorts of players are ones that everybody like always asked like who were heroes growing up, and I'd always kind of say them people just because that's all I used to watch and used to have all the Sunderland strips with the names on the back. So um, yeah, and started to go to the Sunderland soccer schools um, in the Easter holidays, you know, one of them ones where your parents are kind of like, need to get you out of the house, when you go and just play football for two days. Um, so you're like, they're not under your, to- you're not under the toes. And yeah, ended up getting scouted for Sunderland at the age of probably eight or nine, I think it was. Um, and from then on, kind of just love football since then. And did you, were you a regular at the, at the match as well? Did you, did you get a goal there much? Yeah, I was. I didn't get to go to Roker Park, but I've obviously I'd went and visited the stadium. I didn't ever go and see someone play at Roker Park, but I went to the first game at the Stadium of Light um, with my neighbours across the road. So that was a pretty special day. And um, whenever we could get tickets through the team that I was playing for or through the school, we used to get a number of tickets every. I'd always ask my mum and dad to kind of get us them to go on a Saturday to go and watch them. So. And even now, when I get a chance to go back home, I always try and go and watch them um, as much as I can um, when I have a bit of free time. They were the glory days as well, really, as tragic as that sounds, being a Sunderland <laughs> fan. Hasn't really improved much since then. It was a great time to, uh, to get into football, wasn't it? Um, was, was, the, was the less of a sort of focus on, on, on women's football for you at that age? I, I guess it was nowhere near like it is now. So were you just naturally sort of 
leaning towards the, the, the men's team, I guess. Yeah, I think obviously back then, women's football wasn't really on telly and you didn't really have them natural role models to look up to because you probably weren't aware um, that there was women's football teams. Um, so naturally, you do gravitate to men's football. It's on the television on all the time. You're watching England, you're watching Sunderland play, you're watching the Premier League. So that was probably a natural thing. And like you said, in terms of women's football now, compared to back then, it's just in a totally different world. Um, especially now we, we're on Sky. Uh, we have a game every single weekend that people can watch we're on BBC. Uh, we're doing podcasts like these. We're, we're in the media. So we have our own profiles now, whereas back then it was kind of like you're looking up to male players, which wasn't a bad thing at the time, I think, to, to look up to like Kevin Phillips or David Beckham, um, who were superstars of the generation when I was growing up. It was um, a nice place to be, but now it's just totally different. Well, you know, you signed for Sunderland. You 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 got the contract at that point. Talk us through some of the 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 highlights, maybe of that Northern Division Division title winning season in two thousand and five. What sort of stands out for you? What were the the highlights, maybe on and off the pitch? Oh God, I think as a Sunderland supporter, just to be able to play for your hometown team and the team that you have supported, um, that's a highlight. And the fact I did it when I was thirteen years old, it was even even more special. So for me, it was just kind of, I was playing something that I loved. I, I class it as my hobby. And back then there wasn't really such things as contracts. It was kind of like you paid to play. And um, I just loved the club that much that that's all I wanted to do was to play football. And in that season, especially, I think, um, I think I scored the last minute uh, equaliser to help us win the league. And I think, Grown up with players like Jill Scott as well, and we're still together at Manchester City now. I think to have gone on that journey from um, just loving the game and wanting to play for Sunderland um, was special. And you just obviously at that age learning how to play and to play first team football and learn a lot from that season. But the most important thing was kind of getting that promotion. You mentioned Jill Scott there. Who were the sort of players and, and and coaches that have you know passed on lessons that you've 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 valued the most in your in your early in your career at Sunderland? What what were those lessons? Do you think there was there was quite a lot, obviously, through the centre of excellence, the likes of Ian Dipper. He was a big influence on my career. Um, Mick Mulhern, obviously, he gave us the chance to to play for the first team at Sunderland. And in terms of players, I think I was fortunate enough to be a lot around a lot of. Um, experienced players and you had to learn quick because it was kind of um, it was aggressive it was physical at the time I was quite skinny I was small I was young so you had to grow quick and the likes of Donna Lanigan uh, who I played up front with when I was a striker this is this is we are talking a while ago now um, yeah I learned a lot from her in terms of just going enjoying my football but um different movements on and off the pitch, but ultimately just working as hard as you possibly can. And she epitomised that from uh, top to bottom. And I think for me, looking back, um, they were definitely moments where you go, okay, you kind of reflect on that and you you know you've been on a pretty amazing journey. So you, sorry, you start out, sorry, you started, you started, it was a set of four, you said, Steph. I know that happens quite a lot. I think I was reading before that like Ashley Cole was apparently prolific as a centre forward when he was a when he was a kid and a teenager as well. I'm pretty sure John Terry played up front as well. So w- w- what happens generally with, with that? When was that decision made and how did you did you end up at the other end of the pitch? Um, I obviously played um, for Sunderland as a striker and I got first got called up 
for England uh, in the under-17s as a striker. Um, and as the game kind of went on and we were getting more and more players, I think um, I got thrown into midfield for a few games and some, mainly because I could run around and I had the fitness levels to do that and to put a tackle in. Um, and then it was actually in England that my position actually eventually changed to being a full-back because of the way that England were playing, it was more technical. So we were playing like a lot out from the back. Um, and I feel that was one of my strengths was my passing ability and probably my understanding of the game. Um, I actually enjoyed my time up front, but I think it was time for a change. I was never ever going to make the career I had being a striker. And I think that started to realise quite quick. And I'd never change it because I've played around. I played full-back, played midfield, obviously finishing now at centre-half and I think all them roles and knowing all them roles have kind of helped us to play going forward. I've, um, I've seen you describe yourself as a perfectionist. Mm. So, um, you know, in terms of how did that, do you think that manifests itself in just like everyday life of being a pro and football? I noticed one of our new signings, one of the lads' side is I think he's coming on on his day off, you know, to, to do that extra training. So how does, what does going the extra mile look like for you at that sort of elite level in, in terms of women's football? Yeah, I think um, I'm being blessed to be, play for my country, to captain my country and to play at a top club like Manchester City. And I think being blessed with that obviously becomes, there's a lot more competition and, um, for me, I just kind of look at my career and just think, can I just kind of drain all the energy out of everything that I can do every single day? And schedule and routine is massive for me. And I think ultimately the performance on the pitch is the most important, but there's a lot of things that you can do off the pitch to be the best version of yourself. And my game's changed a lot. I've got to manage myself a lot more uh, than I probably used to do because I play a lot of games and, um, which means a lot of loading. I don't. I do train, but sometimes I've got to try and give myself that extra bit of recovery. And it's finding what helps me uh, prepare best for the game, and that's the most important thing. And I think no matter what I do, I always just give it my all. And I use all the sports scientists. I use all the physios. I do Pilates in my own time, um, just to try and give us that little bit of an extra edge and know that I'm ready for when it comes to a game that I'm ready to go and to play against the best players in the world because. The game has gone so much quicker, it's so much stronger, it's more physical and I need to be ready for that. So just to have that mindset and know that throughout my career, I've just given everything and I've not left anything unturned. Um, I can relax with that and know that I've done everything. But I mean, it doesn't come overnight. It's taken us a lot of years to get to this point where I know my routine. I know what makes me the best player that I can be. And ultimately, I've got to be happy doing that. And I think I've found that right balance now. In, t in terms of that, you mentioned sports science and, and all that kind of side of the game. I noticed the men's side is, you know, Christian Speakman is the sporting director. He's talking about um, performance domains and, and, and things like that. What was the biggest difference you noticed between stepping up from leaving Sunderland as a club as it, as it was then to playing for like Leeds, Arsenal, you know, obviously Man City now on and off the pitch. So the facilities, I'm, I'm guessing it was it would be that kind of sports science stuff that I'm, I'm guessing the ladies' side at that time didn't didn't have. Yeah, I think in general, the whole support of the club, I think um, ultimately you kind of don't want to leave your hometown club. But for me and my career at that time, um, to be able to give myself a chance of playing senior football and playing the best league, I had to. And 
I think especially when I went to Arsenal, that kind of opened my eyes. We were training the men's facility. We had a lot more support staff. Um, you were training more times in the week because ultimately you're playing Champions League. You're playing against the best teams in Europe. And once I moved to Manchester City, it was then another level. We're under the umbrella of the men's team. We're, we're treated exactly the same. We have the same amount of staff. We're... The facilities for a footballer, you've got no excuses not to be able to perform on on a match day because everything's there. You have however many football pitches, you have a gym, you have ice baths, uh, you have a chance to get massage, recovery, whatever it might be, the nutrition as well, you're getting your, your, your meals prepared for. So I think it just showed that we were an elite perform uh, performing team now and to be a part of that was kind of like, made us just want to be even more successful because I'm like, I've got no excuses now. Everything's there. It's on my doorstep. I go to this amazing facility every single day and it kind of opens your eyes to what the men have been privy to for a long, long time. But all of me kind of just taking that opportunity. You look at Sunderland, Steph, and, and sort of, because you're a fan and you're from the area then and, and kind of hope that they can get themselves involved in this in this sort of massive reinvention of women's football and stuff because you mentioned Jill Scott already uh, Demi Stokes Lucy Stansworth Beth Mead more players there are more than that I know because I remember watching you in, in, in the World Cup a couple of years ago and looking at that team and thinking how many of these actually played for Sunderland at one point and it's such I almost feel like are people aware of this firstly like in, in the women's game because you never I'm always watching as a Sunderland fan yes with me red and white blinkers on thinking why are we not getting a mention here why are we not getting credit here but I guess as Graham was talking to you there I guess if, if the, the levels have been we off in the past has just been it's just been the way it has we've just we've we've nurtured these players and then they've had to leave Yeah I mean it's it's obviously as the girls in terms of the players that you named there and there's even more like so Lucy Bronze Carly mm. Tal- Lucy uh, Bronze, yeah, of course. Think back, and I'm like, that wouldn't be a bad eleven, to be honest. <laughs> we wouldn't do too bad in the Super League, but um, yeah, of course, we're like, imagine if we'd all sit together. Imagine if we'd been able to play for Sunderland in in this sort of league. It would have been uh, amazing. We we would have backed ourselves to do something special, but it wasn't meant to be. And I think the restructure of women's football it, it needed the support of the men's team, and unfortunately, Sunderland weren't able to provide that support for the female game and. I feel as though now I think the likes of, I know I've done a lot of work with Dave Jones on Sky and I always kind of talk to him and I'm like, what is your plans for women's football? The new directors come in and everything seems so positive now. So I'm hoping that now I think people are realising that Northeast football for women is is kind of a bit of a hotbed. We have a lot of young players that come from there and have been coached really well at the Centre of Excellences. So why not have a, a pathway for them to go and play and to kind of, for the club to have a really, really good women's team like every everybody else in the country. You do wonder if they're going to start sending the scouts up here because you've obviously got the two Jordans in the men's team as well. So it's not a bad part of the world, is it, for, no, for, think, for bringing through players? I think when you go back to your childhood and when you play, I think um, I just remember like playing with the lads and uh, some of my, my cousin and my best friend and it used to be always just so competitive and everybody just absolutely loved football. Like it was just absolutely mental and um I think as in people from the northeast always have an unbelievable drive to be even better and to to work as hard as you can and all them players have that in abundance and I think all the young players that are coming up definitely show traits of that as well. I, I was just gonna ask about that um you know you talk about continually trying to improve what what areas of, of, of 
the game do you still work on now? What you know? Do, do you have any? I want to say a weakness is maybe not the right word, but what what do you try and kind of improve on now? No, I think um, in the terms of the way that we play at Man City, it's very structured. So making sure that I know my job in and out of possession. But I think for me, the, the one thing I always try and strive to be is probably the best physically. I think if I can kind of be at the top of my game um, on that, be be rested as much as I can, but also when I need to work, be the fittest centre-half that I can be. And of course, my defending side of the game, I'm coming against the best strikers in the world. So whether that's from crosses, that's 1v1s, I think. And it's not about doing a lot. I don't think it's about doing hours and hours of practice every single day, even if it's 15 minutes of good quality work. It kind of builds your confidence going into the next game. And that's something that um, I've had to learn because I'm probably a player that would like to do hours and hours on the training pitch, but physically it's not right for you and it's not right for the team. So it's just trying to find that balance of pushing yourself and improving and uh, watching games back and kind of going through it with the coach as well. Um, how many England Cups have you got? Do you know? Uh, 121. That's what I read as well, but I always just check with the ex-pros because what normally happens is, I mean, in particular, the centre-forwards, you tell them to score a certain amount of goals and they add 10 to it. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you got, you mentioned again, you made Jill Scott, she's a few ahead of you. Are you, are you planning on, is it a goal to pip her, the amount of England Cups perhaps? We'll see. Obviously, we've got a new manager coming in. Um, I think the squad's getting announced tomorrow, so uh, fingers crossed I'm in that. But, oh, you'll be all right, I think, Steph. Uh, I hope so. I hope so, but we'll, we'll see. I think um, Jill's done amazing. I think to be able to play that many games over um, 15, 20 years and to be a regular in the, in the senior teams, an unbelievable achievement. So, I'll try and catch her if I can and if I'm getting picked. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a tough ask to, um, to get that many number. Right. Massive interest now in women's football, as you say. And I know Sky have jumped on board. And, you, uh, you know, your, your free kick of the weekend has been all over Twitter. So there's another iconic, an iconic moment for you. Um, but but what, what does it mean? You know, what are you hoping from this in terms of just more encouragement for girls getting the football? Steph, I, I've got four daughters mm-hmm. and... Um, the, the, I don't know. They haven't really took the football like I was hoping they were going to, and it's it's really it's really good from my point of view now that you have people like yourself, and that you're going to get the exposure so that they could potentially look up to people like yourself, and and that's got to help, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. I think like when we mentioned about like my role models when I was growing up, obviously there was no female footballers to look up to or switch on the telly and see. Whereas now we are a lot more accessible. The games are on every single week, um. And it seemed it's it's a popular sport now, and I think that allows young girls, like you said, to kind of be okay with being a footballer. Whereas probably there was this opinion that women shouldn't play or they're not good enough to play. Whereas now we're proving it, and yeah, it is a little bit different to the men's game in terms of the speed and the power. But ultimately, I think in terms of our technical work and how hard we work and how well we want to do it, it's pretty much on par. So. For me, I think it's a, it's a perfect time for women's football. I think, obviously, you mentioned the likes of Sky and BBC. To have them on board and to support can only try and encourage young girls to keep playing. Okay, well, good. good you've good, got good. ITV have also got the uh, the England Internationals as well. They just announced that last night. So so that's another visibility thing, isn't it? You're yeah. going you're gonna to see it on primetime TV and hopefully inspire a generation. Let's hope so. Well, good luck with... Uh... England and, and with your career for Man City and you're going to be keeping an eye on the men's team as well hoping that we can get up um, closer to where we belong they've, uh, they've started well so hopefully they can carry on 
Okay. Right. Thanks for coming along, Steph. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. It was nice to meet you all. Well, we hope you enjoyed that short and sweet, nice little bonus content. We'll be back, hopefully, to review the top of the table clash. League one, top of the table against Accra and Stanley. How does that sound? Absolutely amazing scenes. So thanks for listening. (laughs) 